0: Tuesday, you have to vote for Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm so thankful for my new friend. I think that nice. I know that we are now in chains together. And we have given the key to Jesus. Amen. Thankful for this championship team that you guys have here. From the sound, to the screens, to the music. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for all the people here. I want to thank God for my friend right there. Brad and his wife, Lisa Samson. Uh, Brad served for 12 years on a board, so 12 years hanging out with me, that's a challenge. (laughs) Amen. So, And they are here today, and also we have two good, wonderful friends to my right, uh, Jan Zelstra and Janice Van Dyke. Uh, So thankful that they are here. They are our our host for uh, these last two days, and we are so thankful for both of you, actually, I am Cuban, but I'm the first Cuban Dutch. My real name is Manny Vander Windmill. <laughs> I'm not messing with you. Just to affirm, just to affirm what the Bible says: Our Father, God, our Father, is a good, good Father. Not only is a good, good Father; He's an awesome Father. He's a holy Father. He's a loving father. He's a father that will provide for you. And this morning, it is my aim to be able to introduce you to the father of Jesus Christ, our older brother. And Jesus and the father have a loving, perpetual relationship that never ends. And Jesus is saying to us today, I want you to enter Into this love affair that I enjoy with our Father. And the way to do that is through radical biblical prayer. You see, God is love. And the reason that Jesus came, he came with only one aim in mind. He didn't have two aims. He didn't have plan A and plan B. Only plan A. Only one plan. Jesus came to die. And he came to die not only to vindicate the holy name of the Father that we all have messed up. He came that we may have life and life abundant. He came that we will no longer be declared guilty when in fact we are. He came that we will be declared not guilty, him taking our guilt. On the cross, he came that we will no longer be a slave to sin, he came that we will rise with Christ, he came that our hearts will be circumcised, he came to proclaim his last sermon of prayer on the cross. That's why he came. If you remember last weekend was Holy Week, wasn't it? Actually, every week better be Holy Week. Every day should be Resurrection Day. But on Good Friday, at about noontime, it became dark. It became real dark. And there were two thieves Next to Christ. On their own crosses. Deserving the death. One of them didn't make it. He was proud. Like many of us. He didn't want to surrender. But the other one did. And Jesus said to him. Today. Not tomorrow. Today you will be with me in. Paradise. You see, that thief that repented is representing you and me. That thief that was having breakfast with the devil. But got to experience supper with Jesus. That is you and I asking God to forgive us. Because we know that we have offended the holy God. And therefore, we need to hallow him. But we don't know how. And the way to do that is through our older brother Jesus Christ. This coming uh, uh, today, actually, Sunday, right? Well, baseball begins today. Hallelujah. And I am Cuban. You know, Cubans play baseball. You just saw a baseball game in Cuba, right? Obama was there. Raul Castro was there. You know, it was a pretty good game. A reminder I want to remind myself and you that there were these two guys. I think that they used to be members here at Calvary Community Church. What was a Cuban guy? What was a Puerto Rican guy? And you know, when you see a, a Cuban and a Boricua or Puerto Rican together, you know that the gospel is for you. Just like when you see a black guy or a, or a, or a white guy together, right, mama? The gospel is for real, right? Amen. That's my mama, right? That's my new mama. Right? She just adopted me last night. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah for that. <laughs> so... They were arguing about, is there going to be baseball in heaven? So they made a deal, and they said, well, whoever goes first is going to find out and has to come back and tell the others. So the Cuban guy went first. His name was Raul. And Raul went to heaven, and he talked to Peter, and they even went to a baseball game, and he found out that there was baseball in heaven. So he came back to talk to Jose. Jose, you know, the other guy another Puerto Rican guy. So, he said, hey, Jose, I'm back. I have good news for you and I have bad news for you. The good news is that, yes, there's baseball in heaven, not golf, but baseball. (laughs) Baseball. He said, wow, baseball. And the bad news is, Jose, that you're pitching tomorrow night. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) That you're pitching tomorrow night. Well, Today, we're going to play some baseball here. I have a baseball bat in my hand, uh, three gloves. Question, who likes to play baseball with me today? Anybody want to play baseball with me? You are? Okay, my friend, here you are. Gotcha. Who else wants to play baseball with me? He does? Oh, sure. Oh, you too? Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, We have, uh, are you lefty or are you righty? Okay, put the hand there. Okay, thank you. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Are you a pitcher? Come over here. Yes, come over here with a baseball. Now listen, we have some very expensive windows here, so we're not going to throw the ball. Okay, just stay right here, my my good friend. Here's the baseball, a good baseball. Okay, now here, you just pretend now. Okay, go a little bit behind there, thank you. Now here, I don't have gloves for everybody. But I want for you all to pretend that you have your own glove. Can you show me your glove right now? Come on, show me your glove. So we're going to catch three balls. I'm going to hit three balls to you, and you have to catch them. You see, in baseball, if you drop the ball, the guy is safe. So therefore, you have to catch the ball, you have to make the catch, and you have to retain the catch inside the glove. Is that clear now? Good. All right. Are we ready, mama? Okay, okay. Okay. A little bit behind. It's 60 feet. 60 feet from the man. Come on now. Don't, 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 don't. Give. Okay. Now throw me your best. Now do not throw it. Pretend, okay? Okay. Are we ready to catch? Okay. Here it is. Come on. Throw. Pretend. Bam. Do you catch it? Oh, oh! She got it! She got it! That is no, Hallelujah! Let's see the wave. Let's the wave. Let's do the wave. Hallelujah. She caught it. Okay, here is our first catch. Right here. When you pray, hallowed be thy name, big things happen. That's in the back of my little book right here. Now, I'd like you to repeat that with me. Come on. When you pray, hallowed be thy name, big things happen. Beautiful. Okay, mama, thank you. Come on now. Go a little bit further now. Throw me a screwboard or something. Come on. Uh-huh. Okay, second, second. Come on now. Throw it. Right. Bam, catch it. Everybody catch it. Oh, he caught it. Got it. Good job. <laughs> the second ball that you just caught is right here. Praying radically to love. Riding. In other words, I cannot tell mama that I love her unless... I am committed to pray for her radically. In other words, going back to the root, which is Jesus Christ. I have to pray the way that Christ prayed. You see, everybody here is required to be like Christ. If you call yourself a Christian. If you don't, you don't have to. But if you say that you follow Jesus, you are required to be like Christ. And to be like Christ is to pray like Christ. Amen? Number three. Okay. Okay, think. Okay. All right, number three. Okay. Are you ready? Number three. Okay, here we are. Come on now. Throw it. Give me your best pitch. Okay, the other one is right over there. Okay, okay. Oh, he he is on the ball. I like him. I like that son. That son is good son right there. Come on now. Throw it. Bam! No, 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 that was a grand ball. Yeah. Ah, I got you there. Now, listen, let's give this young man a big hand. Thank you so much. A good, good job, okay? Good job. Thank you. Mama, don't take that home with you, okay? So, you keep the gloves, uh, but give it to me. Okay, when you finish, put it here. I have to, to play baseball with the Hispanics l- later, okay? <laughs> Not soccer, we're going to play baseball. (laughs) Amen? Now, here's my third point that you just caught. God is a good, good father, not a paramedic. Let's say it together. God is a good, good father, not a paramedic. Thank you. Now you're going to see a picture on the screen. See that picture there? My wife, Barbara, who's here with us today, is inside that vehicle. That was October 7th, 2010. I was having a meeting at 11.20 in the morning in Wheaton, Illinois, with about seven people. Got a phone call at the restaurant saying that my wife had, in, had been involved in a car Christ, not an accident, because Christians don't believe in accidents. Christians believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. Right. Amen? Amen? So, therefore, my wife was in there. I ran to the scene. I was about four blocks away. I was 87 pounds heavier, but I know that. I got there without any breath left in my lungs because, you know, I was not in shape. And when I got there, I was going to go and help my wife. But the chief of police, who I know so well Chief Fields, he stopped me and said, Manny, you cannot go any further. There's nothing that you can do. I mean, that was a shock to me as a man. But then he said to me, but, but, but Manny, there's one thing that you can do. You can pray. But at that time, I must confess to you, this morning, I felt like a hypocrite. I felt convicted because I was just about to treat my father, That's my father, but as a paramedic. In other words, only as I need him. In other words, I'm only going to come to my father when I need him to do something for me. Don't you feel that way sometimes that, that people only call you when they need you? <laughs> ah! when, when, when they need your services or your money, right? That's not God. God is inviting you and I today to enter into this perpetual love affair. That Jesus, the son, my other brother, and he, in other words, he wants us not to have any more 911 calls. You see, guys, when you know the Father, the way that Jesus knows the Father, there's no more 911 calls. The cross was not a 911 call. Gethsemane was not a 911 call. That did not take God the Father by surprise, nor the Son. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, it was agony. Thank you for that song. Yes, it was painful. Yes, it was excruciating. Yes, it was humiliating. Yes, it was shameful, but Christ took our shame so we will not be ashamed of the gospel. Hallelujah. You see, every year I go to this conference for pastors. And this year I was not going to go because I wanted to be a good husband. Take care of my wife, who now had no fingers in her hand. Was in pain, a swallow hand. 62 therapies she went through. Three weeks before our banquet, this happened. God was using this suffering experience of my wife to get to me. Let me speak to the men now. If you are a man of God, or you say that you are, the greatest gift that you can give to your wife is to wake up today to confess your sin. That you have not been praying, that you've been bringing shame to the Father, and that you will become a man of prayer. That's the greatest gift, that's going to give you marriage credibility, it's going to give you kids credibility, and it's going to hallow the name of the Father. You see, my wife got the thing in the mail from the conference for pastors. and said, Oh, no, 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 you're going this year because the theme was about praying pastors. He said, no, 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 I'm gonna register you and you go and listen. When a German wife tells a Cuban husband that you're going, you are going. (laughs) See, it's like Hitler and Castro, you see, German and Cuban, you see. So I had to go. I just had to go. And when I got there, great sermons, every speaker I knew, wonderful statistics, one of the things that I heard which really shocked me was this, guys. Over 80% of pastors in America don't possess a personal, private prayer life. That shocked me. But let me tell you what really got to me. We talked about prayer for three and a half days. Great sermons, great encouragement, but we never prayed. We talked about prayer but we never pray. In other words, the men that are called to lead the sheep, the shepherds, don't pray. In other words, the people that get paid to pray don't pray. Therefore, what do you think is happening to the, happening to the flock? Believe it, beloved, nothing happens without prayer. I am, I am now convinced about that. So when I came back, I was distraught because now I find myself as part of the 80%. I had to come clean. So I went away for three days at a cabin here in Wisconsin by the Rock River. And I wanted my father, not my board, to evaluate me now 20 years full-time in ministry I wanted my father to evaluate me and to give me a grade. And I got it. And I thought that maybe I'll get a C minus. Or maybe a D. But my father gave me an F minus. You know why? Because my prayer life stunk. I was treating God as my paramedic. I was not hallowing his name. I was not having an intimate relationship as God the Father desires, and God the Father desires you as his daughter or son, and for you and I to enter into the same exact perpetual love affair that he enjoys with his son Jesus Christ. Look! And therefore, he reminded me that I could not do that again. He gave me a warning, and he even took me to Moses. Book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32. He took me to that chapter, and he showed me that Moses, the man that he used to lead the people out of Egypt, the greatest prison escape, almost three million knuckleheads. That left Egypt, led by Moses, an ex-convict who was a killer. Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible. Moses, who was a priest and a prophet. Moses did not have a do-over. In other words, Moses was killed by God because Moses failed to hallow the name of the Father when he was asked to speak to the rock. For water to come out, and he in his anger became God and he hit that rock twice. Remember that? Well, he did not give Moses a do-over. So, why in the world should he give it to me? Not only did he give me mercy, he gave me grace. In the Hebrew is the word hesed, and he gave it to me, and I deserve it, beloved. Many of us in America, in the church in America, believe that we deserve something. We deserve some entitlement, do we? Something for free, do we? We deserve nothing but hell. And therefore, guys, we have to be on our knees 24-7. We have to develop. That's why I love this man because they love this man, his, his legacy in this church will be that my house, Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer for the nations and we will not be able to fulfill the impossible mission of the Great Commission unless God's people pray. There's a connection between the Great Commission and Abraham's mission with prayer. He wants the nations to come to him, not through our strategy, Not through our meetings, not through our degrees, but through prayer, by humbling ourselves. And this country, and this country is only going to come back to God when you and I pray. When you and I pray, if you're angry, be angry with your sin. Be angry with your sin of not praying. Because not to pray is sinful, beloved. Actually, it is evil. (laughs) So, God took me to Luke 11. So, if you have your Bibles with you, will you open it now? We're gonna have it also on the screen. I'm gonna begin verse by verse. I am a text and context preacher. So, verse one, we see Jesus praying. Hello, Jesus, who is 100% God, who became a human. To come to a level to tabernacle with us, to become one of us, but yet without sin, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's praying somewhere, and the disciples are watching him. You see, guys, in life, most things that we learn, Brad, are not taught, they are caught. You can talk all you want until they don't see you do it. That's why I love this man because his father, Papa Chuck, is my father too. And this man is a godly man, 89 years old. He still water skis with one foot. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's an example. Not perfect, of course, but an example to Brad and to me. And you see, guy, that's exactly what Christ was doing. He was showing, show and tell. Just don't tell me that you love me. Show me that you love me. You see what I'm saying? And the only way that we can love people is by showing them that we're praying for them because you and I can do nothing for anybody. The only one that can do it is the Father. Therefore, we pray to the Father in Jesus. so the Holy Spirit can reveal and give the solution to the issue that we're dealing with. You see, guys, not to pray for the impossible is to offend our Father. Prayer is not one thing we do. It's what we do as Christians. I want you guys to to really get the message this morning that you cannot take your next breath with credibility without prayer. I want you and I, I want this church in Jesus' name, like your pastor wants to become a radical church of prayer. 24-7. People praying here all day long, seven days a week, no holidays. A hundred people praying somewhere in this church during each service. That's radical, isn't it? My house, he says, shall be house of prayer for the nations. So Jesus is praying, the disciples are watching him, and they say, man, I want to pray like that. okay. He said, would you teach us? So from this moment on, don't hear my voice. Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because now Jesus is going to teach us. And if we think that we know it all, if we think that we, that, that we have our life together, shame on you. Because we don't know, no, no. especially to prayer. We are really, many of us, Got my same grade in F minus when it came to prayer. Okay, you want me to teach you? Here it is our father. Verse 2. You see how inclusive this Jesus is? He's not jealous. He's he he not saying, No, no, that's my father. No, no, no. That's our father. He's an inclusive brother. That's the guy I want to get to know. He's not jealous about his father. Father who are in heaven, hallow be thy name. Let me stop right there. Many of us grew up in the church. And I thank God for you. I didn't. I was a pagan. Run from the FBI. I went to prison. I was a sexual addict. I was everything that you could think I was. You see, I don't need... Anybody to defend the gospel for me? I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. I was dead, but now I'm alive. You see, you see, I don't care what you're saying. I don't care what your argument is. I know who I used to be, and I know who I am now. Hallelujah. I've been transformed by the gospel. Not by pipe psychology, but by Jesus Christ himself. I belong to the Father. He purchased me. See, many of us know the Lord's prayer by heart. We grew up in the church. Whether we, we had it on the bulletin every Sunday. We had to say it every Sunday. We didn't know what we were saying. But we just said it. And many of us thought, even to, to this point... The hallowed be thy name is just an acclamation. And it is. I don't want to say that it is not. It's just a worship. It is also a worship. It is, of course, because everything that we do as Christians is to worship our Father, isn't it? But you see, Jesus is saying, you asked me to teach you, didn't you? So he's saying, hallowed be thy name is the prayer. Hallowed be thy name is not just an acclamation. Hallowed be thy name is the prayer. In other words, he's saying to us, Hallowed be thy name is the priority of my Father. And guys, who in here knows the Father better than Jesus Christ? Who better to teach us about his Father than the one that has always been with him? Oh, (laughs) be with him. So you see, then he says, let your kingdom come. For what? To hallow his name. Now, let me stop right here also. Uh, you say, well, what does that mean, to hallow the name? What does that mean? Let me tell you what it means. It means to adore his name. It means to revere his name. It means to worship his name. It means to, 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 to cherish his name. It means to the in his name. It means to respect. It means not to take the name of God the Father in vain. And how many times do we take his name in vain? How many times a day do we curse? How many times a day do we bring shame? You see, the opposite of hallowing is shame. And I believe that if we're honest with each other, this altar today, after the service, must be packed because we've been bringing shame and not hollow his name. You see, let your kingdom come for what? To hallow his name. You know, John Calvin said that we must make the invisible kingdom of God visible. And the only way that you do that is when we hallow his name. That's it. Yeah. And then he says, I let your will be done. Now my will, says, on earth in other words, let's pray down heaven to the earth. I believe this guy that when we know Jesus, we are in heaven. Heaven is a place, it is, but it's also a person in Jesus Christ. And then he changes to us because you see, God the Father wants you to eat black beans and rice, he wants you to eat tortillas and tamales and even potatoes. And sour crowd with pork, like my wife likes to eat. You know. So he says, Give me my daily bread. Of course, he wants to clothe you. He said, Good father. He does not want you to be out there bringing shame and not being a credible witness. You see, God, the father's best interest is that you always talk good about him. But how can you, how can you talk about good about a God that does not provide for you? Or, we think that we did it with our hard work, with our schemes, with our manipulation, with our negotiations, with making a deal. No. Every good gift only comes from the Father. And the Father wants you to give him all the credit back to him. Therefore, we are not selfish people just give it away, not ours to keep. So he said, forgive me. How can I be praying to a holy God if I'm not forgiven? And then, of course, if I've been forgiven, the Bible tells me in Romans 1.14 that I have become a debtor to grace. And therefore, I am responsible. I am mandated by Scripture. I am obligated by Scripture to share this grace. That's why... David and Judith Spawn go to prison because they want to extend the same grace that they received to those ladies. I was there with them yesterday with my wife. What an honor for me to be with my friends in prison yesterday. What a blessing. So therefore we must forgive. We cannot say okay look at you. You did it. You deserve to be in there. Look at me. I didn't get caught. My mentor, Chokoson, said to me, Mani, there are two kinds of people: us that got caught, and them that are not being caught yet. And then he says, Leave me not, not, not into temptation. I mean, how can I be praying to a God if I give in on my sexual desire that are not within the boundaries of marriage? And then he says, And what? Deliver me from evil. Let me say this to you in love. I didn't come here to condemn anybody. I came here to you, man, humble. You know, John Calvin said that the actual Christian life is about three things. Number one, humility. Number two, humility. Number three, humility. You see, guys, humility is to a Christian like garlic is to Cuban black beans is the main ingredient. <laughs> Therefore, not to pray is evil. Because you see, if I think for the moment that I can do one thing without God, without his grace, I just became an idol. That's true. That's true. And many of us depend too much on self. In other words, some people have called and described the current trend of the church in America as the, quote-unquote, the me church. We come to church so we can be entertained and we can be served and we can feel good about ourselves. And we want to be encouraged by continuing on my own sin. And then he tells us a story. He goes to a parable, and in this particular chapter, this parable is unique to it because it does not appear anyplace else. Five through seven is this guy that comes to your house at midnight, and he comes and says, hey, I'm tired, I need a place to stay. By culture, you have an obligation to allow this man or woman or couple to stay in your home. Say, okay, come on in, come on in. And he found His room, ready to go. But then he went went to the pantry and to the freezer and found out that it was empty. See, guys, for us to recognize our radical need for prayer, we have to recognize that we are bankrupt. That we need the grace of God every moment. You see, I know what the Bible says. It says that God's mercies are new every morning. But for me... They are new every moment. And therefore, and therefore, for us to pray, we have to recognize that we are desperate. I have a question for you. How desperate are you? How desperate are you to get into an intimate relationship with your good, good father? How many times a day do you deviate from that joy? Jesus said that for the joy that was before me, he endured the cross. Hebrews chapter 12. You see, he finds out that he had nothing to offer his neighbor, but he's obligated by culture to feed him. So he goes out to his friend. Now this story is so bizarre because many of us in America at least cannot relate to it. In every parable in the Bible, or most of them, we have to find at least two characters. Number one, where am I in this story? Because this book was written for you. Oh, by the way, this Bible is not just a book. It is the living word of God. Amen. It is all sufficient. It is all satisfying. It is all mm, delicious. It is the inspired word of God. It is inherent. It is infallible. It is the authority of God that mandates to us the way that we must live. Be holy in all of your ways. Peter reminds us. Taken out from the book of Leviticus. And therefore, beloved, this book mandates to us what we have to do and how to be in order that we will hallow the name of the Father. Now, in this story, it's easy to find who we are. We are the person that is welcoming this friend into your house, but you have no food, so you go out. That is you. But then it is difficult to find out who is God in this story because for us in America, we want things right now. We want things rapido. We want things instant. We want things our way, don't we? And if we don't get it our way, we change doors, don't we? But here it is. He goes to his friend, knocks on the door, asks for simple three loaves of bread. That's all that he asks. But the guy inside the door says to him, I'm sleeping. Already with my kids in bed. Go away. You see, how can you think in America that you're gonna pray to a God that tells you to go home? How can you pray to a God? That is sleeping. You don't want to pray to a God like that. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. You see, I am saying to you today that the guy behind the door is representing God, the God that is, the God that is saying to you to go away, the God who is sleeping with his children in the bed, that is God. But what happens? Does he go away? No. Is that how you pray? Most of us don't pray that way. I didn't. That's why in my book I said, praying with boldness, without fear, and with persistency. You see, the guy said, I know that you're in there. I've been here before. I cannot go away. I'm going to stay on this door until you open that door and you tell me, here boy, here You see guys, at the stake of prayer, it's not so much that you're going to be shamed by going back home without the food. That's not the main point. Although you're going to feel shameful. But at the heart of prayer is this. That you cannot go home until your friend. That your friend that you trust. That has always provided for you. Did not give you what you need. You see, so he was persisting not so much because he wanted to persist. No, he was persisting because remember, hallowed be the name, verse to remember, Jesus is going to change or not. He's persisting because he wants to make sure that God the Father does not bring shame to himself. Do you see it? Prayer, not about things changing. No. Prayer is about changing you. At the heart of prayer is because your heart is wicked, because your heart is evil, because your heart does not desire the father. Because your heart is about treating the father like a paramedic. Only when you need him. Verse 8 is the key verse here. He said that the friend got up. Not because it was his friend. that the friend got up because of his persistence. In other words, because of his inappropriateness. Because of his temperance. Did you see? We want to make sure that we understand what Christ is saying to us. He's saying we have to persist not because we're going to get it our way, not because we're going to twist his arm. No, 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 no. We're going to persist because we want to make sure that what we're asking God is to hallow his name. You see, when you understand that when you are praying is only to hallow his name, then the content of our prayers will change. You're going to become selective. You are going to fuel those prayers exclusively with God's word. You see, there are more than 7,000 promises in God's word. And whenever you pray his word, he cannot say no to it. Let me tell you a story right now before I continue. I have a daughter have five kids, Sacha. Sacha found me. 14 years ago. And we have a, every Wednesday, the last three years, we have a, about 25 guys who meet at my office from 12 to about three o'clock. And the only object of our meeting is to pray Malachi 4, 6. That says that God would turn the hearts of their children to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers, to their children. I was a terrible, terrible, evil, bad father. But God forgave me. And he's given me a new chance to pray. A year ago, Sacha was saved from the justifiable wrath of God. She became a Christian. He was baptized, and now he's serving Christ. That is because I believe we pray with boldness, with persistency, the promises of God. He does not have to answer you. He doesn't have to do it. But I believe that when you pray, hallowed be thy name, when you pray his word, he's going to come through because he wants his name to be glorified now we go to verses 8 and 10 and he defined for us the word persistent he's saying ask and you shall receive seek and you will find knock and the door will be open and then he goes to verse 9 10 and said again and then he says, for everyone for everyone you, you you see there the connection between verse 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 10 and verse 2 our Father and everyone, He is a God that wants to include you. He does not want anybody to be left behind. Simplify, one of my boys is a Marine officer. And they teach them that they cannot leave anybody behind. Beloved, you and I cannot leave anybody behind. There are people in your neighborhoods. They are family members. You have now children that are not Christians. You know what I'm talking about. We have 2.6 million people in America who are behind bars. We have 11.7 million people who go to the jail system every year. The number one issue in America is not the economy. It's not ISIS. The number one issue is the broken family. And we have it within our power to pray. Manakaya, we can pray God's word and see God act. Act. Yeah. Uh, There are three verbs, ask, seek, and nag. In the Greek, the three verbs are continue without ending. And therefore, you and I have to persist on the one door. Many of us quit too soon. See, guys, we don't become a loser when we fail. I fail every day. We become elusive when we quit. My Jesus, my Christ, hung in there on the cross, so I don't have to hang in there no more. Don't ever say to somebody, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm hanging in there. No, you're not hanging nowhere. You were more than victorious. You were conquered. Listen, you get in there. You don't hang in there. You get in there with the Father, like Christ. You see, guys. When we pray radically, that means that we are already entering in this radical prayer meeting already in progress. The Holy Spirit and Christ already praying. See, guys, how is Christ loving the Father? By praying for us 24-7. How are you and I loving the Father? I don't want to put a guilt trip on you today. I just want God's word to speak to you and for you to be convicted. What does that mean to be awakened? That's what it means to be awakened and to realize that you can do nothing without prayer. Then we see a great illustration that Jesus gives us. He says, He says, if you're a father, And your son comes to you, or your daughter comes to you, and he or she asks you for a piece of Cuban bread, toasted, with butter and jelly, John. Will you give him a piece of stone? Will you do that? Of course not. Will you do that? No. Or if he asks you or she asks you for some scrambled eggs with chorizo and Swiss cheese, sliced tomato, that. So when I come to your house, you know how I like it, okay? And a lot of, (laughs) a lot of mushroom in there. All Would you give him a scorpion? Of course not. Or if he asks you for some fish, real fish, bottle on top, would you give him a serpent? Of course Then he says in verse 13, let's let's look at it. Then he says, if you then. Being good, no. Being evil. Jesus is not calling you and I good. He's calling you and I evil today, guys. So you can wake up to the fact that apart from Christ's imputation, covering of his righteousness, we are evil. The only way that we become righteous is when we have Christ. And we do do that double take. We transfer our sins to him on the cross. Making payment, he transfers to us his righteousness. That's why we're Christians. Because we cannot make it, guys. Heaven is not ours without Christ. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gift to your children. Hallelujah. How much more, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit those who we ask? You know what he's doing here? Verse 13 brings to summary the entire Lord's Prayer. If you are not praying in the Spirit of God, you are not praying. If you're only praying a traditional prayer, as a matter of fact, Matthew 6, the other part in the Bible that mentions this prayer has a different ending. <laughs> to remind us that this prayer is not for you to repeat. No, it's for you to exercise. Here it is. What is He saying to you? God the Father wants you to enter into the unlimited. how much more of his grace? He wants you to enter into Jesus, the superstore. He wants you to knock on that one door and don't quit. and Stay there because if you pray it, hallowed be thy name, he'll give it to you. Hallelujah. Believe that. Believe God. That's what I believe. And the more you pray, the more you anticipate. The more you anticipate, the more you expect. And the more you expect, the much more secure. You see, guys, my goal every day is to anchor deeper at the cross. My goal every day is to position myself in Christ. Not for myself, but for you. Halloween, my father. Father, I don't want to bring shame to you, God. I want to be a credible witness, God. And therefore, God, help me. And that's exactly what the verse is about. Here, here's the teaching. He said, guys, get this one. If you get this one, you get prayer. Here, here. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's saying to you and to me, this father is a good father. Don't be angry. You see, guys, we cannot pray to a God that we're angry with. We cannot pray to a God that we have a beef with. We can only pray to a God that we grateful to. Gratitude will give you altitude An altitude with your Father is a wonderful thing, guys. I want this church to experience the love of the Father. Jesus is saying, I want you to experience the same exact love that I experienced. This God is love. He's love. Oh, here it is. It is true. It is true, but I want to make sure I give you the right teaching here. Because many of us stopped short, and God forgive me as a preacher, if I don't teach you the whole truth. If I only tell you 99% of truth, and I lift out 0.001%, just lie to you, I want to lie to you. Tell you the truth. It is true that the Father turned his face away. Because who who here as a father in his right mind would like to see his son disfigured and bleeding to death? Who here has the guts to be able to see your boy being humiliated like that and abused? Who? None of us. The father's love cannot do it. So he took his face. But let me say this to you guys. The Holy Spirit has always been with Jesus. He never abandoned Jesus. And he's saying to us, what is your problem? What is your trouble? What is you need? He's saying, okay, tell me what do you need. You see, he's saying to us, if your problem and your need is not bigger than a dead Jesus, then you and the Holy Spirit can handle it. What is he saying? He's saying the Holy Spirit is going to help you in your moment of the cross. He's going to help you in your moment of cancer and lust of your spouse. He's going to help you when your son is doing heroin or cocaine. He's going to help you when you lose your job. He's not going to leave you. He will be with you. He promised that. Hallelujah. He will be with you to the end of the age. So he's saying, I know, I know my father. Listen, he never let me down. You see, I came voluntarily because I came out of obedience to obey my father and to accomplish his mission. That I will perish so you won't perish. That I will die so you won't die. That I might live, that you may live with my father. Forever, because now I'm going to prepare yes, yes. the honeymoon suite for you. This father said, Good father, get to know him. So, how about it, guys? I'm gonna give the job now to your pastor. I'm not your pastor, but I love your pastor. I don't know what he's gonna say to you, but for sure. Most of you, I believe, this message was for you. Some of you have been thieves of God's glory. Some of you have been bringing shame to the Father. Some of you have been treating this good Father as a paramedic only when you need him. Some of you have been playing with fire. Some of you have been playing on both sides of the fence. And he says, no more. Who are you going to trust? You see, the Bible says, beloved, in the 8th chapter of John, only two choices. is either the devil is your father, or God the Father is your father. I can guarantee you, I lived for the devil many, many, many years. The devil will always rape you again. The devil does not love you. The devil wants you to skip the cross. The devil does not want you to pray to him. And many of us believe that because we have things in life, we have a big house or big cars or money in the bank, we think that God blessed you. No. Let me remind you. The devil can make you believe That God gave it to you when in fact it was the devil. Many of us are serving the devil in Jesus' name. I know I was supposed to stop 15 minutes ago. I know. But I believe I I have the anointing now. And I'm not a charismatic. I'm a biblicist. Pastor.
1: that we need to hear. It's a powerful message. You see, you've called me here to be your pastor. I can't do this job. God God does this job through me. And I strive with all my heart to be one of the 20% of the pastors who is praying for you who's praying for God's will to be done here. But we need to do this. We, we need to be a people who don't just talk about prayer. We need to be a people who pray. Amen. Sandy's office on the other side of the wall, there's been a man, one man, praying through all the services today. What, what if we were one eighth this excited about prayer? God says that we should not use his name in vain. If we use his prayer, if we use our prayer for anything other than bringing glory and hallowing the name of God, we are using his name in vain. Now, I don't know about you, but I am longing to have God receive great glory in my life and in the life of this church. So that more and more people can know the truth that Jesus has come to set them free. Amen. Mm-hmm. We do that together. Now, the challenge to the guys that that Manny gave us, man. Men, you need to be praying. Do not leave your family exposed. Do not. We're opening the altar. The worship team's on their way up right now. And If you wanna come up, and you know we don't do this often, maybe we should, maybe we will, come up. We've got people who will pray with you. Pray with each other. Look at each other and pray with each other. We've just had a message about prayer. Let's pray. Let's do that together. if you wanna come up, if, if God's stirring in your heart, if he's saying, you need, to, you need to come up and do business, come up and do business, and I understand and I know that, that that's humiliating in many ways, but listen, in order for us to experience the humility that God has designed for us to have, we have to walk through humiliation. So Lord, Father, Our Father, we come to you. It's your church. Lord Jesus, this is your church. I confess and I ask that you'd forgive the times that we've tried to do this on our own. And we throw ourselves before you saying that we understand that you're a good, good Father. And from this day forward, by the power of your Holy Spirit, changing our hearts and changing our lives as much as possible, we're going to hallow your name. And it will be for your glory that we meet together here. It won't be for our comfort. We will come together, we will commit ourselves to this group of people that you've brought together so that your name will be lifted up. God, stir in our hearts right now as we sing this final song, For those who need to come up, Lord, stir in their hearts. Keep Satan from keeping them in their seats. Draw them forward, Lord. Help us to spend the rest of our time praying. You are a good, good Father. Amen. Father, you know many of us came forward on the inside. God, I pray that you'd continue to sweep over us with the power that comes from understanding the access into the very throne room of the Almighty by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Teach us to pray your word. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name and I pray and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now listen to this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or all we can imagine according to his power at work within us, to him be glory, to his name be be the holy glory. Glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen, amen.